0: Hey, Sandra. Who are we? Uh, 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 no, my turn today to say who we are. We are the screaming Divas in the woods. In the woods. Who did we interview today?
1: Oh my gosh. I, I know I always say I'm so excited, but I am excited because we pick awesome people. Hello. And here's another one. You have to watch this video. It is with Andrew Owsley of Unison Media. He is the guru, in my opinion, of publicity, social media, anything that you need to build your brand
0: and help your career in the classical music world. And the clients that he has, the list of clients just is amazing. It's like reading the who's who of the classical music and opera world. Absolutely. Uh, Larry Brownley, Joshua Bell. I mean, we could keep going. Mm-hmm. But the information that he gave us, I mean, how to create that image that you want on social media. And Andrew, these are little gems. I'm telling you, a lot of people pay a lot of money for this information. Absolutely. He is brilliant. Besides Unison, he does. Well, this this nonprofit
1: called Death of Classical, where they do all these amazing concerts in New York, in the crypts and catacombs. They've got this new stuff coming out in one of the cemeteries. These places, you can still do social distancing. So they had concerts in October. They also have wonderful stuff that's um, coming and being planned for for uh, this year. The Burger Club. The Burger Club of New York, oh my gosh. Like rating the best burgers everywhere. I mean, how do you not love this human being? Love him. I totally wish that I had an Andrew in my life or a Unison Media in my life when I started in a young artist program to know exactly how to work social media and to use it for my advantage, use it in a way that is authentic and
0: real, yet helps my career and helps the opera business. Yep. No one ever told us all of this information. And this is a gift to all of you out there. But I love him. I would love to promote anything that he does. And
1: uh... check out the clip. Check out the clip. He's amazing, people. Do not miss this one.
0: I am Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep.
1: I mean, I think he is. Like, is he secretly Batman? Oh,
0: <gasps> I think he's Batman.
1: Wouldn't that make sense? Gotham. There you go. There you go, people. He lives in New York. He'll love this. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Check it out.
2: It is bad for your mental health. Un. Unequivocally and, and undoubtedly, it is bad for your mental health. And you you compare yourself to other people, and that is the best version of them that they're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you you it distracts you constantly, and it it causes you to reduce yourself and your value to numbers on a page, uh, and a million other things that are terrible about it. And so this is also why I I, I, I separate personal and professional use because. Like you, you should use social media to further your career, but it is not your career. It is not your artistic value. And it's certainly not your fucking human value in any way, shape or form. Thank I would like to swear on this by the way.
0: <laughs> you know what, we, we, we drink and we swear we because we're coming swear. up to that. <laughs>
1: Oh nice! We got the champagnes, And it is chilled.
0: Damn, Skippy, I need this shit Your mama
1: raised you right. You a lady.
0: Okay, hold on. I should do this. Oh, should I wait to pop it when it gets in? Yeah. Okay.
2: New York! Oh, hey Straight um, out of the bottle. Classy.
0: She's like! <laughs> Ooh! Boom. Boom. Nothing Boom. like the sound of that. Hey, last episode, it was straight out of the bottle, but today I'm a classic L.
2: Oh, That's what I like to hear. Some It's a better way to finish the week. Salud, yeah. guys. Uh,
0: cheers, what are you drinking?
2: I'm drinking a fantastic uh, Chicago-based single-barrel rye whiskey called Koval, which is Ooh. just excellent, excellent stuff. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. fancy
2: today on the divas. You know oh, it. Yeah. It's I, only the best for you guys. Well oh. I feel
1: like I need to wear my glasses so that I looked a little smarter because you're super smart and I just
2: really needed to feel like it's, I was smart. It's working, it's working. Okay, good. <laughs> I should get some fake glasses. My brown running around in the background somewhere too, by the way. Who? Who is? Hold on. Hold on.
0: <gasps> is that Gizmo?
2: This is Gizmo.
0: I wonder right where at,
1: Gizmo's was because you guys right are working from home.
2: In the history of the world. Aww. Oh, he is a little, a little furry angel.
1: Aww. I love this. I wish Humphrey, my St. Bernard, could come climb the stairs and meet Gizmo. That would be yeah. fun. <laughs> he's,
2: a little, he's a little mischievous, but he's he's got a heart full of love.
1: I Aww. love that. That's awesome. He yeah,
2: has been a joyous addition to our lives. Aww. That's
1: awesome. How are you doing? Good. Good. And where
2: are you? I'm in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. All right. In, uh, Harry, mug? Yeah, you got the Brooklyn?
1: No, I got the New York City one.
2: That'll do. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're here and doing well. Can't complain at the end of the day.
1: Love it. Well, we really wanted to talk to you because not only have you been such an amazing help to me personally, as well as to both of us and Screaming Divas, um, that we wanted to talk to you about you and about your business and about your company you started in 2015 called Unison, which is super awesome. So I know that you worked at some big fancy labels before you started your startup. Do you wanna talk about that or talk about your story and how you got into all this?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I, yeah, I started, I don't, I don't play any classical music or opera or anything like that. I was, I played in rock bands, but I, um, my mother was an amateur opera singer and I, uh, I fell in love with Maria Callas. At, oh um, god bless you. God. At, uh, thanks to her and thanks to you know Tosca um, and I in college I sort of I, I majored in philosophy but I took a lot of music courses and there's a professor there who became a great mentor and taught me just I sort of fell in love with the repertoire and then I did a fellowship after I graduated studying classical music and culture in mm. Europe in France and Finland comparing
0: Cool. their cultures
2: and their histories and their musical histories, which is, yeah, very interesting. Uh, a lot of wine, a lot of a lot of vodka, and then a little, a little bit of classical music here and there. I'm
0: so, in like Paris that. right now. There you go, so cheers,
2: mm-hmm. in my
0: dressing room, so.
2: Yeah, I, uh, so, so I did that, and then I got back and there was a job open at EMI Classics, home of Maria Callas, mm-hmm. and so I just took it. It was entry level. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I wanted to get into the administrative side Mm-hmm. But still, be dealing with something that I cared about and like classical music, and so I uh, I got the job primarily because I put one of my experience things was feline socialization, since I used to <laughs> volunteer at uh, <laughs> volunteer at cat shelters, and um, and so the, the I think he just thought that was funny, so I was like, "Sure, you get a job, kid." <laughs> oh, and how old were you then? I was twenty three. So wow.
0: Okay.
2: Fresh faced. And I, that was the week I started, was the week that Tower Records closed and the record business went into catastrophic freefall. Right. In, you know, 10 years. Yes. <laughs> and so I just survived basically and took on more and more um, and stuck with it for, for about 10 years. I took a little break to move to Australia for fun and I uh, came wow. back and, you know, was there again. And... Uh, The label got bought and sold and a couple times over and ended up EMI became Warner classics and so on. But, and I basically just kind of took on more and more. I started in marketing, but ended doing publicity, radio promo, marketing, social media, website, artist development, business development. So kind of took it all in by the end. And I just kind of realized after a while that, the artists was, I was more interested in working with the artists and I didn't want to be kind of tethered to to one thing, the CD sales. And so I wanted to take the variety of, of skills and areas that I had gotten experience in and combine them into a more unified vision for how to promote artists and, and companies. And so thus was born Unison. And that's basically the philosophy that we've had since the start to take traditional publicity and media, social media, websites, marketing, branding, all of these things, and combine them so that every point at which you can encounter the public face of an artist or an organization, the storytelling is, is coherent, consistent, and unified across all of those areas.
0: That's a big deal. It is That's huge. a huge deal. Because, and who knew, who knew that there would be a pandemic And everything was going to be online.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been a very interesting, interesting time.
0: For sure. Your your value just went up exponentially,
2: you know? Yeah, especially with video. I mean, that was one of the first things when I started Unison. One of the first things I did was, you know, go on Craigslist and buy a couple of DSLR cameras with a couple of lenses and just learn how to shoot and edit multi-camera video footage because I just realized that that was what... At that point, it, it was still new, but that was what all of the social media channels were prioritizing and were were getting the most, uh, giving the most sort of algorithmic reach to. And so, I just learned how to do that. Obviously, I don't do that so much these days, but uh, <laughs> video crews. But um, but video is always hugely important to to my thinking and my strategy. And so, obviously, when when March hit, everything to video and live both live and pre-recorded so knowing how to promote and market that did become a pretty in-demand (laughs) skill.
1: Sure has the has the pandemic affected your business at all in the sense where some of your performers who aren't able to work right now have had I mean there's not what do you do what do you post for someone whose all of a sudden career has been sidelined by this horrible yeah
2: that has been that has been the question I mean a lot of it has been what can we do online that furthers the storytelling around you and i think you guys are pretty great examples that that can work and that can that can become something mm-hmm. as i just read about in opera news this month so uh,
1: <laughs> oh i'm sorry shameless plug right there <laughs> oh,
2: exactly there it is though that's you guys are are the shining embodiment of that approach which is if you don't have angles, you don't have pegs or hooks on which to to hang promotion, create them. And that's been a part of my approach as well, which sort of incorporates project management, but create the best story points, and then you have complete control over the promotion, and you can make sure that this is the best thing to promote. That's what led me to make these, this concert series that I started in a crypt in Harlem, which has become very much its own crazy beast of a thing, but uh, so
0: cool though. We uh, have to talk know, about that. Yeah, it, to keep it cool.
2: Yeah, it started because I had a couple of artists who had things happening, projects, but they didn't really have a place to to perform them. That and they dealt with grief and memory, mm-hmm. and I was just like, well, I found this crypt. It seems cool. We can probably get a piano down thirty steps into a crypt, and let's do it. so we did it and we got tons of press and then and it was just awesome it's an amazing space to experience
0: and you're not going to disturb anybody
2: not disturbing anybody and nobody's going to disturb you so uh
0: (laughs) you hope (laughs) hope.
2: yeah yeah exactly like it's a little little, the catacombs we moved to the brooklyn catacombs as well we expanded Uh that got a little creepy sometimes you'd have uh you'd have some crickets and some some noises untoward noises but uh but no, it's so it's, you know, that, that's an example of just creating something that, that served the storytelling. And so for digital, that a lot of it has been that what, what can we make or who can we partner with to make something that will we'll have a story that we can promote on social media to maximize, continue to feed the engagement and reach there, but also transfer over to traditional media. And, you know, starting a talk series with Lawrence Brownlee was one thing that we did early on the sit down which continues to evolve and expand. And and so doing that and knowing how to do that in a way that on a technical level maximizes the reach, but also then how to set it up and present it in a way that makes it seem, have enough meat on the bone, so to speak, Mm -hmm. to be promoted to traditional media and feel as though this is a statement or with a performance that warrants coverage. That's been, a lot of that has been what we do these days and making taking digital ideas and making them helping them to become significant enough to be newsworthy really and contribute to the culture
1: okay i whoever's listening to this because my including myself like that was freaking brilliant i mean that is huge that just focused all of it down into really one sentence this i love that thank you for that
2: yeah and i think it's something that i hope Carries on after the after the pandemic is over. This idea that you can be creative not just in in your music making, but mm-hmm. the stru- the projects and the structure that you build around your music making, um, and the story that you tell around it. Um, and and I, hopefully it, it concentrates that thinking, but then allows people to take it in new directions once we are no longer just confined to the screens in front of us.
0: Mm-hmm. So. So walk us through, say Carrie comes to you and says, I want to hire you, Mm -hmm. Unison. How do you go forward from there?
2: Uh, There's a lot of factors. Um, Obviously to me, my first and foremost is to make sure that you should be hiring PR in general at this point. Uh, And and that's there's a lot of factors that go into that and I think it's an area where I do I've done a lot of work with young artists over the pandemic through like programs like the Adler Fellows and and, awesome. um, and it's it has been striking to me and it's something from the start but particularly over the last couple of months as I've been doing more of this um, how young artists have no sense they get no real training practical training in the ugly, the the less sexy parts of their career, like their branding, their marketing, their publicity, and Mm -hmm. they just kind of wing it and make it up as they go. And it's an area where I think artists get screwed over. They get really exploited by by people who just want to take their money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think my primary goal is to make sure that I'm not (laughs) contributing to that and (laughs) taking, letting somebody pay me who does not is not gonna get a return on that investment. So I need to make sure they're at a point in their career where they I can get the placements that they could never get for themselves. Okay. Um, and that that their story, they have enough storytelling that I think will resonate with with media and build, build into something that again, warrants paying somebody as opposed to doing it yourself. And a lot of what I try to do and, and since the start of Unison is also like teach artists, because the big one of the big changes the last 10 years, 15 years is artists can do their own publicity and they can do it with significant results and results that that are oftentimes better than what you would get hiring a publicist, especially a sort of mid-level publicist, uh, or especially earlier in your career. And so, and knowing how to do it will make you so much more effective when you do hire somebody because you will know when they're doing the job or when they're bullshitting you. And um, so, so that's the first step. And if, if I don't think that they need that, that now is the right time for a publicist or this is the right project, then I tell them that. And I tell them why. And you know, if it's something I can help through consulting, then I, I do that or I offer that, um, which is a way more cost-effective means of, of achieving that success. Um, so, so yeah, and then obviously I assess what they're about, what's their mission, um, what, what is the story, what are they trying to achieve? Uh, to me, it's, it's important to take on artists that I think are good people, first and foremost. I don't I have no desire, no money is enough to work with somebody who I don't think is good, is trying to make the world better. Uh, and yeah, and then, uh, and then what do they want to offer? I also try to work in our ongoing work with artists who I think are part of the future of the industry, not part of the past. And that's not to to denigrate the artists who are focused on the old models and the old infrastructure of the industry, because there's a lot of money to be made. And there's frankly, a lot of extraordinary art to still be made from those structures. But I I don't want to be propping up those structures in 20 years as they crumble around me. I want to be Got it. And continuing to build the future and and the artists be working with the artists who want to be doing that alongside me and so having that sort of adventurous mindset willingness to try things go out on a limb sing in a crypt sometimes <laughs> you know <laughs> that, like that's that's those are the kinds of artists that I want to work with and so that's those are really the criteria and um and then obviously do
0: the posting for them
2: Yeah, yeah. so we do uh, basically almost all the artists we take on, we do publicity and social media and website. That's that's the optimal way I think that we work because if we're not controlling all of those, then the messaging can can become fragmented and create sort of either that cognitive dissonance or weaken the impact of the message and the storytelling. Because again, if somebody hears one story about somebody in their bio, in their Mm -hmm. uh, website, and through the news articles that are placed on them or the radio or the TV interviews, but then goes to their social media and sees a completely different person, a completely different story, then either one or both will ring false or it will just weaken the, and, and weaken the concentration of the impact of the storytelling that we're trying to do and the impressions that we try to create around these artists.
1: When you talk to the young artists, well, let me preface this question by this. I have found as I do my own research that the younger generations really just post whatever they want. I mean, it is just fly by the seat of your pants.
0: My dinner, even
1: even young artists and programs that are representing big programs are posting things that sometimes, I mean, I love these people, but sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, because I don't know, well, if, is that appropriate or not? Or am I just the old lady going, oh my gosh, you can't post that. I I go back and forth all the time because I'm more for be authentic, be you, be real. I think that resonates more with people. Um, We are no longer in the model that I grew up in where an opera diva has to look and be a specific thing. Um, That is no longer the case. That's hence what we're doing here because we were taught to never show ourselves like this ever. So um, this was a whole, this was like stepping off a cliff for us as
2: far as- And can I say cheers to you guys for- Yes, drinking out of a bottle. I've done that. Cheers. Unto (laughs) itself. And
0: for your help. Honestly, people out there don't know how much you you truly have helped us.
2: I, I Uh, I I was just helping you guys spread the gold you've already made.
1: you're really sweet um I need a lot of help still and when you look at the very first video to videos now it's really hilarious
0: (laughs) but it just shows it just goes to prove how how gumption just pure gumption can it can make something work and Carrie Carrie has learned so much about the editing and I say Carrie because she really does all the editing and all the 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 sparkles that you see and everything that's that's all Carrie and she has learned Because it's like a never ending cycle of learning never ending cycle of frustration,
1: too. But I, I just wanted to know from the young artists, like, how are you when you say branding, I also feel like that's an old word, too, because branding used to look a certain way, what does branding mean to you? And what are you advising these young artists, especially in programs about the stuff that they're throwing out there?
2: Yeah, you know it's good. I'm actually going to be releasing a, ser- a series of videos. I'm going to put out for free, ho- hopefully starting in a couple of weeks. There, awesome. over sixty of them. Each one is a minute, and they're they're pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited for. I them. love oh, that. We got to watch this. We got to watch this. Yeah, each of them explains like a sort of different one of the core concepts of branding, marketing, publicity, and social media. So you have like you know ten or fifteen for each of those topics, covering okay. what I think are the most important things to think about. But okay. w- w- and like part of it, one of the most important parts is just redefining those words, because those are words that people just don't know what they're about. Right. And to me, really, it is all about storytelling for an artist. If you're McDonald's or Apple, it's a different thing. But if you're an artist, like your brand is your story. It is what differentiates you and your okay. music making. Uh, publicity, marketing are the tools you use and you create and control to tell your story. Okay. Publicity is telling your story, but also telling it in such a way that you get other people to tell it for you and and to talk about you. Because that is the end goal, is to create a conversation that takes on a life of its own, Mm -hmm. but that you are controlling or somebody is controlling for you so that it doesn't spin out of control or go in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And And then social media. World. Yeah, exactly. And then social media is about creating this community around you and your story that you can feed content to and feed storytelling to but also receive information from and you know build this 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 group of evangelists who who support you but also speak for you and spread the news about you so those are the high level concepts of how I think about those things and for branding really to me it comes down to the the story points that you tell about yourself—the concentrated story points, both musical and extra musical—and in the midst, in the spectrum between, uh, in terms of what differentiates you, your personal history, your approach to music, the repertoire, all of these things, your approach to singing—if you're a singer, um, your hobbies—are you like a, a fantastic gymnast or something? You know, like those can be a little gimmicky. You got to be careful, but but the idea of what are the three or four or five things that you focus on that differentiate you, that make you interesting and three-dimensional without being too complex or the story points that might seem interesting but actually aren't that interesting. And so okay. a lot of it is helping people to refine those. And obviously for the people we do PR for, we define them for them with their agreement, of course. But, um, but helping artists to, to parse those out and get them codified, written down, because that's what you use to promote. And then at a higher level, another sort of 50,000 foot view, it's the impression that you wanna create and that you want people to have around yourself. And if you think about it, all artists with established brands, there are maybe two, three, four words or, or concepts or ideas that come to the minds of the majority of people when they think of them. And when you think of a Renee Fleming, for instance, you don't think of ooh, edgy and like dark. You know, you do, You think of classy, you think of, you know, the a, a sort of- American diva. American diva and so on. And and similarly, when you think of, you know, somebody like uh, Pavarotti, it's a very different three or four words. Somebody like a Yo-Yo Ma, a Lang Lang. These are very different brands, but on a technical level, you think of it as what are the, the few things that most people are going to feel on a visceral level. And starting as a young artist, but even at any stage of your career, to think what, what are the impressions that you want to create and do those story points yeah. support that, those impressions and create them. And then obviously story points change and morph and come and go over the course of a career. And you sometimes focus on new things or, or change the, the focus of a certain story point. But they should always be contributing to those higher level impressions that you want to create and those impressions have to be focused you cannot be everything to everybody or you will be nothing to everybody
0: wow never Some,
2: an impression that's
0: that that's rich information yeah. somebody once from the hollywood um world said to me that you have to come up with a list of words and, and think in your mind, before you start really doing the social media blitz for the young artists, for anybody, you have to, in your mind, imagine how you want yourself to be viewed. Mm-hmm. Because social media is not necessarily, and I think this is what the young artists, and Carrie and I, we've talked about this quite a bit, young artists don't really think that, th- think the whole process through, and that you can create how you are perceived.
2: percent. it's forever yeah. out there. And I failed to actually answer your question, Carrie, which is when it comes down to social media, which again, to me, you have to start with the branding and the storytelling, but then social media is about telling the story and creating community. And the problem, one of the, the first things that I tell people when they're, when I'm sort of talking to them about social media is it is professional as much as it is personal. And on, that is, the, that is the, the burden that you bear becoming a public figure. Mm-hmm. And, and anybody who wants to be an artist, you're becoming a public figure. That's just, you cannot have it both ways. Um, you can't be a successful artist without becoming a public figure. And so what you enjoy in social media in, in a much more personal capacity and the people who never are never exposed en masse to the public they can enjoy a very different kind of social media than an artist can, a public figure can. And mm. so what I tell them is your social media, that's a compromise you make for the career that you pick. And unless you want to have very private personal accounts, which is fine, but which will also divide the access. And, and the most people will not follow you on both. And so okay. you will divide your reach, which especially as a young artist can be very dangerous. Mm. Um, not dangerous, but it can be detrimental to the impact of your socials as you build them. But if you are going to only do one and it's going to be public, you must have balance. You must edit yourself. And you cannot share things that do not further your career, because that's it. You are on social media as an artist to further your career at the end of the day. And things that don't serve you can't go on there, or things that serve you negatively can't go on there. And That's not to say that it should be all public-facing, professional career stuff, because nobody wants to see it. The goal of publicity also, or, or social media, is to show more dimensions of yourself and your personality and your life, and to create a more intimate experience of you for people. But it still has to be considered and it has to be edited. And otherwise, you will risk turning people off, you will risk um, saying something you shouldn't say, or again, creating a negative impression or an unfocused impression as well. Yeah. A glimpse, um,
0: but not opening the door into your personal life. You know? Exactly.
2: And because again, people are never, you fans will never be friends on the same level. You can't have thousands and thousands of close, close friends. And it's the kind of thing that young artists often have an issue with that. But the fact is, is fans don't necessarily want to be best friends. They don't want to hear like, oh my gosh, like I have a hangnail right now, it's really bothering me. Like they don't want to know the many, many things that like make you a full-fledged human being with an intimate relationship with somebody that your friendships are. Um, They want to just, they want to get the best story of you and they want to feel connection to you and to your art and be moved by your art. And so social media is about giving them that connection, but you know, not, not getting weird about it. Um, and then also obviously on the other side of the spectrum being too, too professional. And this is a personal mm-hmm. philosophy around social media: is I don't subscribe to the idea of the hyper polished influencer like social media accounts, particularly mm-hmm. on Instagram. And I understand it's a strategy and it's a tactic. There are tactics involved at the same time and it can work very well. But to me, we are not in opera or classical music, we are not trying to become influencers at the end of the day. Like you will never have 10 million followers the way that like a makeup artist has, or, you know, some duck-faced Angelino. So like, you just, and and that's not how we use social media. And it's just also like we are a niche within a niche and people, they're just, the numbers will never be there, but it's also not about getting 10 million followers. It's about getting 10,000, 50,000 followers who engage and who believe in you. And and so that when you post something, it moves the needle. And that comes, I believe, not of having this uber polished where everything has a frame and a font and a color scheme and you're perfectly lit. Like that doesn't get people to connect to you in an honest way. And and like you said, Sandra, like it's not the, the age of the diva is over and now it is about connecting but again, yeah. connecting to the best version of somebody. With, and that's what it's with
0: intent. With intent, with, because I see so many young artists, um, you know, because I give a lot of masterclasses and they, they just post what they had for dinner and them, you know, doing duck face in their dressing room. And I, I say to them, guys, this is forever out there on yeah. the ethernet. I mean, it is forever out there. So think through how you want people to look at you And how much of your personal life, because I say this all the time, your personal life, there's a reason why it's called your personal life. Once you give too much of that information, you can't take it back.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And you have to decide, and it has to be a conscious decision. Carrie and I, we've gone through this a lot with Screaming Divas. How much of our lives do we really want to share? And how much of it do we still want to keep personal? And that's been a very conscious decision of of what we've done on this and i think young artists need to really think through all of this this whole process especially now with the pandemic
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know that's their that is their one venue and their one avenue right now to the the broader public
2: exactly and 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 the other thing i tell people all artists at any level of their career is you don't need to post don't post unless it is content that serves you, that is compelling, and that serves you. Nobody is sitting around waiting for posts from any any artists, short of like the you know Miley Cyrus fanatics. And that's not, again, that's not that's not a negative, like a, a denigration. That's just, again, the nature of the majority of people in our industry, the fans and the artists, and the, the nature of how social media is used in our industry. Other than a handful of obsessive fanatics, but they they number in in the you know on the this, the tens and the hundreds, not the hundreds of thousands like for a Justin Bieber, where the pop music machine is about creating that fanaticism, that mindless fanaticism. It's not a part of opera. You just don't have a lot of mindless fanatics um, because it's it's just part of who who the art form connects with and appeals to, and so like that people are not waiting for content and so the content you put out should be what serves you when and there was a lot of times in the early in the pandemic when i said to artists like if you don't want to come up with content right now you don't need to and like like we're not gonna we don't need to bother you because if you just want to sit and process this and not worry about feeding the beast of social media like that is entirely your right this is a hard time Mm -hmm. and nobody is going to say, why the hell isn't this person posted in four weeks? Like, it's just not going to happen. And so, and as always, mental health and personal happiness always take precedence over any of these things, branding, social media, marketing.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the truth? And I feel like right now, as a lot of us are coming up on the year mark, you know, 10 month to 12 month mark, it's, it's a shit show people. I mean, there are a lot of people that really don't know where to go and what to do next and how to move through this or how to process this. And honestly, I mean, there have been days myself where it, it, I don't, I'm like, I don't want to know that March 13th is coming. I don't want to know. I just like March 13th is coming. It's going to be a year. Um, I, I didn't feel safe in performing before or during this. So in certain places, so to have to say no to that is heartbreaking. And um, so I don't know, what am I trying to say? This time is a rough time. I don't know either. Yeah, Um, put yourself first. Yeah, put yourself first. I think that's really important. And so for me, like some of the things you're saying, I'm like, yeah, does this post do these things like the most recent post other than our video that's being released today? Um, was, you know, I thought it was really funny to see Humphrey rest his head on my headrest
0: in the car. And it made me laugh. And so I was like, well, I'm posting that. That's hilarious. Does that make sense? (laughs) But it made you happy. And I think that's a big part of it. If it also makes you happy. Yeah. And it it lets the world know how you're feeling.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, sharing that kind of thing is, is that content can be incredibly powerful because it is you are sharing something that makes you happy in the hopes that it will make your community happy that said this is why all artists must learn how to parse the analytics of their social channels if it doesn't perform if it doesn't perform at a higher at an equal or higher level than your average sort of engagement metrics like number of likes number of comments etc if it performs at a lower level then you've got to f- then th- maybe don't post that next time and for instance like working with a young artist where she loved taking landscape photos on her phone and some beautiful sunsets and beautiful, you know, just, just, she's a great eye. But they were cons- looking at her feed and doing it on desktop and mousing over and seeing the average likes per post. They always performed a third of the average, like a half to a third of the average. And so my point to her was listen, unless you are trying to become the next Ansel Adams, mm-hmm you need to focus this and you can if if it is if you simply must put them up on the feed go for it but otherwise you know share them as stories and make make a a saved story highlight of photography right Uh, or share them a bunch at once in a single gallery if here's some recent ones or share share them in a gallery but with like a personal thought or Uh philosophy philosophical reflection or something so you're not just saying woods 2014 whatever like so Part of, part of being a professional about your social media is being, uh, being disciplined in that way and saying, this is, I thought this was going to work. It's actually not working. I've got to either figure out another way to do it or cut it. And when we take on particularly institutional clients with social media and helping them with their social media, a lot of the initial work is simply saying, like I'm bringing out the hatchet, my friends, and cutting all of these streams of content that you know, the bosses might want you to do or that you might just like putting up, but that nobody cares about. Because if if nobody engages, if you're putting out what you like and nobody's engaging with it, that's not furthering your career. Again, you're using social media in a personal capacity, not a professional capacity. So
0: talk to us about the different mediums of social media and also the analytics, because Mm -hmm. we've talked about this. Facebook is the spawn of Satan right now. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and also about the analytics, I, I bet a lot of the young singers don't actually know about the analytics mm-hmm. and following that, and knowing what their their audience, their core audience is, who they are, and what they watch. So, what what would you say to a young singer that's trying to do this themselves? What apps or what social media outlets should they? All
2: right, let's do, we'll do a quick rundown of the platforms, right? So okay. Facebook, the worst, also the biggest, also the most established, also the most uh, powerful in terms of the kinds of media that you can share, the things you can share, photos, videos, live streams, links, text only, different formatted text, having groups. There's, there, it is by far the most powerful and complex of the social platforms, and it has the largest following, at the, the largest user base at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They have also massively throttled the, the reach to that, that user base, particularly for pages that existed before 2016, um, used to have much higher reach. And then overnight in January of 16, as a response to the Trump election, uh, they throttled the hell out of the reach of, of professional pages. and. It's, it's come back in, in fits and starts, but it has also massively made it, made it massively difficult to have that same hyper, hyper level of engagement that you used to have. Yeah. Um, that said, strategically, as I said, it's not about the numbers, it's about the community that you build. Opera, particularly, but classical music as a whole, there's a lot of old people. <laughs> <laughs> especially making decisions and uh, <laughs> and Facebook unquestionably all of the analytics the data shows that it's it's an older demo and it's you know the the 40s 50s 60s 70s up there figuring out still sending Farmville invites and uh you know just posting posting angry angry news news hits that your uncle loves um, um, but <laughs> but that is also you. where how much do we older, love you but that's where the older people in our industry are,
0: mm-hmm. and many
2: of them are making decisions. And so, one of the reasons why I say you like sorry to these young artists, like especially like the, the Gen Zers, where they're like, "Fuck you, I'm not getting a Facebook page." And I'm like, "Yes, you are. <laughs> You make them okay." <laughs> and you've got to because, like, how else can you engage with the Facebook pages of the uh-huh. opera houses where you sing? Can you? Uh-huh. How else can you cross-post a video or a Facebook live? Uh, and and how else can you? Get the people who follow that institution and who work at that institution and follow that institution's socials to follow you and to become a part of your community. Um, and so you mu- you just, you have to have it. And you have to be on there, and you have to put the minimum of content out there. Um, Instagram obviously is where the growth is at the moment, although it is it is peaking, um, mm-hmm. but it is still you know, almost ten times more engaged on on average than than the same same uh, number of followers on Facebook you'll have mm-hmm. almost 10 times the engagements on Instagram on average uh, it's more limited in that it's visual it's photos and it's videos by and large you can you know mess with text on there but uh, but really it's a visual medium um, and it's limited in terms of how you can share links uh, mm-hmm. and and what you can do with stories and other other things live etc um, but it is still the most powerful one and it is where the younger, decision makers and and obviously artists and colleagues are. Um, so you've certainly got to be on there, but you have to learn how to do it from a technical standpoint as well. How the best ways to tag, the best ways to share, uh, and the best way, the best content to put on the feed versus stories and so on, and how to be effective in that. Twitter, I, I take it back, Twitter is the dumbest. Facebook is close and it gives it a run for its money more every day, but Twitter's the worst. Um, Unless you get Twitter, unless you just understand intuitively how to be a part of the conversations, engage in conversations, throw out snarky witticisms in a couple hundred characters, uh, then go get them. You're awesome for Twitter. Uh, if you are, and and you can actually, particularly with with traditional media, a lot of journalists are all on Twitter. Mm-hmm, and yes. You can engage with journalists in in a more like human way, and but then eventually they will they will flag you and notice you and be interested in you via Twitter. And that often leads to having champions in the, in the traditional media who, who cover you and then create traditional media articles and stories around you. That's so cool. value, but only if you're good at it. If you did Twitter poorly, you'll A, waste your time and B, probably say something wrong that gets you canceled. Um, and
0: uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh otherwise, so yeah, but otherwise Twitter is essentially you should be on there again, just so you can engage when needed with the organizations that that
0: they've added fleets, right? Now so they're
2: fleets. Fucking who cares? It's it's kind Uh, of
0: dumbing it down in a way, isn't
2: it? They're just all trying to copy each other, but uh but but essentially Twitter is where you put news, important, really important things, unless you engage with it personally. Um, TikTok. TikTok, again, if you get it, if you if you sign on to TikTok and you're like, oh, I can make content like this. This is natural. This is what I do. This is who I am. Go get them. TikTok has a gajillion times the engagement of Instagram, no. Facebook, and Twitter combined. It's no. insane, the growth. We had an intern who is functionally brain dead as an intern and in terms of the work that they did for us, but who went over the course of like two months from 1,000 TikTok followers to 12,000 or something, insane, standing in front of a green screen and just dancing a little bit. Um, so the, the growth and the engagement is off the charts. Will it last? Will it get taken down? Will reels on Instagram end up superseding it? This is the other problem with early, early stage social media platforms is you can invest a hell of a lot of time and energy in them and they go away. Uh, or they, they lose, massively lose uh, relevance and reach and impact. Snapchat is another one, no idea where that's going to end up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so unless you get it naturally, then wait until it hits maturity. I guarantee you, there's not a lot of people on there right now.
0: I think it's come and gone. Yeah. Snapchat. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I
1: think that was Snapchat, but with TikTok, I mean, I actually, I put it on my phone, loved it. Hilariousness. You know, there's some crazy stuff going on on TikTok that, you know, I'm laughing so hard laying in bed before I go to bed. I'm laughing so hard. I'm shaking the bed and my husband's like, what's going on? And I'm like, look at this. And he's like, why is that app on your phone? Like, get that off your phone immediately.
0: Because my husband told me the same
1: thing. Because of the safety stuff with this. I mean, my husband's a techie. So, you know, he's yeah. in all this and he knows about the safety he has to for his job. So I, I took it off. Even though I'd love to be on there and put all kinds of content on that. I I don't know. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think again, like all all we have we've sacrificed our privacy, right? And, okay. and it's that that saying if I forget who said it, but if if you are not paying for something, you are the product, and that is true face of all social media platforms. Okay. You are the product as users, and there are inherent privacy issues, and we I think we will see them addressed in in the next fifteen years. And I yeah. think in fifteen years we will have a very different conversation about social media because it's wild west right now. Well, and, it and is the internet still in a lot of ways, <laughs> um, and so but. And as with the Wild West there, you can take advantage of it. And if you become a tick, the first opera TikTok star with a bajillion followers, that can that can carry a career that otherwise would not would not exist and create a career and a story that otherwise would have nothing. Mm-hmm. So there are advantages in that. And you can build a community, but look at Vine. The biggest Vine users, hey, shit, Vine's gone. Sorry, oh, yeah. I'm wasted. Oh, yeah. So like, so again, it's it's YouTube as well. Like YouTube's another yeah. one unless you are going to be a YouTuber, which again, I don't really advocate for in our world, unless it is just a massive personal strength, then it is a place to to share video content that you get and that you make, Mm -hmm. but not worth investing a huge amount of time strategically and tactically in. Um, And and so those to me are the main ones. Um, Snapchat, TikTok, all those are our ancillary. Uh, SoundCloud, Vimeo, they're functional. Um, I have a
0: question now to play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the movie The Social Dilemma? Netflix? Oh
2: yeah, oh it's amazing. Sorry, oh,
0: but just to just to play devil's advocate because I am of that age, I'm older than Carrie. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel that social media in some ways has ruined our lives, infringed upon but our again, lives?
2: This is a question difference between personal and professional. Yeah. Um, I personally don't use social media very much. I it is bad for your mental health. Un. Unequivocally and and undoubtedly, it is bad for your mental health. And you you compare yourself to other people, and that is the best version of them that they're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you you it distracts you constantly, and it it causes you to reduce yourself and your value to numbers on a page, uh, and a million other things that are terrible about it. And so this is also why I I, I, I separate personal and professional use because. Like you you should use social media to further your career, but it is not your career, it is not your artistic value, and it's certainly not your fucking human value in any way, shape or form. Thank I hope I can swear on this, by the way. <laughs>
0: You know what? We 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 drink and we swear because we we're coming up to that. Yeah. So I like no, it. I think people need to know that Absolutely. especially the younger generation, how it infringes upon your personal life and how getting notifications all the time, you know, you don't it's it's unconscious, but you pick up your phone and you don't even realize it, and how much time it eats out of your
2: life. Absolutely. That said, unfortunately, and this is another compromise you make of the public figure, mm-hmm. if you want the best and most powerful storytelling you need there are tools that you need to have and you need to employ so it a lot of it is a balance and and one of the things I try to do especially with young artists is say this is what you need to do in your social media this is the bare minimum if you do this you will get good results you don't need to do more than this necessarily to to allow your social media to rise with your career and support the rise of your career and facilitate it. Because oftentimes artists get so caught up in how many followers do I have, how much am I posting, you know, and, and so on. So you need to learn the best practices and you need to learn the baseline strategic necessities of social media as an artist. And once you do that, everything else is gravy but is also unnecessary. Uh, from a functional standpoint. And unless you can always do more, but you can also put that time towards your singing or put that time towards spending an hour or two with a loved one. And because right. it's important to be a person as much as it is to be an artist and a public figure. So so yeah, I think that that balance is incredibly important to strike and to be disciplined in maintaining if your socials expand and blow up because then the the immediate, um, the immediate response is, okay, now I've got to put all my time into social media. And sure, it, it could help, but you could also at that point, hire somebody to do it for you and know if they're doing a good job or not. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of investment can pay dividends in mental health, uh, protecting your mental health. Wow. Yeah.
1: I, I feel like I need to say this and all, all this, something of what you said was why I really fought being on social media for a very long time because who I am as a person, I think anybody that really knows me knows how genuine and authentic I am at all times, even sometimes when you really don't want me to be, um, and very opinionated. So I really felt like being on social media in the midst of a job trying to promote a job or promote how happy I am when it's a shit show or it's horrible, or I really don't want to be here or all this kind of stuff was really extremely difficult for me. And something I just felt like I can't just put all the happy crap because that's not real life. And I don't want someone to feel bad because they're looking at my profile thinking, oh my God, this girl has the perfect life. She has the perfect husband, perfect house, perfect dog, whatever. And so there was, there are times where I've put Probably now that I've been on it more than maybe I should have, but I just needed to be very real about what is going on in life. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. And, and again, like this is where it gets tricky. And uh, part of part of the one of the hardest parts of the work that I do is balancing this line because, in the same way that you can be having a terrible week and having a lot of issues in your life, you've got to get up on stage and sing. Right. Right. And you've got to do your best to get up on stage and do do what you are hired to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that sucks, but that's also part of the reality of being professional. There are days when I don't want to get up and uh, write a press release. <laughs> Somebody's paying me to do it, and they need okay. it to happen. So right. sometimes I've got to just do that. OK. And social media, again, as, as a professional, as this hybrid, this awful hybrid of personal and professional, um, some days you don't want to post something, but like you kind of have to, to support something that is hugely important in your career and just tell a story around it. Okay. This is where the gray area is. Sometimes you can just say, I'm going to wait a couple of days. No, again, nobody cares if I share these production photos a few days after opening, right. Right? I'm going to go right along. Right. Um, and, or occasionally you can s- just stop and say, hey, we're in the middle of an opening. I should be overjoyed, but I have, there are so many things that I'm struggling with. And you can say that and talk about that and be honest, yeah. but you have to be careful with that. Okay. And, and again, like, because if all you ever talk about on your social media is, ooh, this is hard. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bummed out today. Or like, ooh, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. Right. That can damage your career because people will say either People will either be like, "Well, that's depressing."
0: Uh, handle
2: it. Unfollow, or, or pe- worse, people will say the people who hire singers will say, "She seems unstable to me. Oh, I don't think yep. we can hire her," and that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so, and that is where it is this terribly difficult gray area that it, it is the nature of being a public figure that you just have to navigate and do the best you can and know yep. that. Nobody ever does it perfectly right. And it's also, while it is always on the internet, to your point, Sandra, it is also amidst a good trillion other things that are on the internet. And people, as we know from the last four years of the president, people forget real quick and move right on to the next train wreck. True, proof, so, And you but can you know, I was hide and archive and so on and delete. I
0: was talking to a, a general manager of an opera house the other day. And this person said, listen, you know, because I was talking about social media and they said, yeah, we look at it. We look at the social media before artist. we hire young artists. And I don't know if all young artists actually get that, you know, that yeah. what they, what they're putting out there is is seen by the people that hire them.
2: Absolutely. And then it's a huge, again, it's a huge establishment point of your brand and your public profile and the storytelling around you. It's one of the reasons why I, I tell every artist whether or not they hire publicity, if they have a publicist, it's their job, but even before they have a publicist, to reach out to the marketing and the publicity departments of every place that they sing and right. tell them their story points and try to get them to pitch them for stories, which again, the more prepared you are and the more convincing you are in telling your story to them, the easier it will be for them to turn around and write, send a five minute email to an editor and get you a feature that otherwise you wouldn't have. Right. But also, to go and be like, hey, can I do an Instagram takeover? I love doing them. And that not only gets you in front of the audience, the the audience of that opera house, it also gets some of them to then follow you, assuming you do a great job and you you make a really compelling takeover. It also gets the administrators of that opera house, who again, all follow their business on Instagram, to follow you and then When you tell a story in another city far flung from there and you talk about some huge, amazing review that you got or some role triumph, they see it. Otherwise they would have no idea. They're not following where you go. No. (laughs) They follow you on Instagram and Mm -hmm. you share that triumph and they say, oh shit, she's going places. That's amazing. And that sense of momentum and the, the feeling of momentum, when you can, with one, one post, create that momentum amidst a network of people who might hire you again. That is a powerful community. and You don't need 10 million of those people. You need a thousand of those, a 500 of them that hire you. Work and, smarter, not harder. Precisely. And so to that end, they're watching. When you do that right, there then becomes a weight to your posts because they are watching and if you share something that is you know difficult or controversial they will take that into account and is it are you speaking truth to to you know honesty and and something that is revealing and emotionally will make people emotionally connect to you or are you complaining or are you attacking somebody else which you never do on social never 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 never.
1: thank you for that yeah sometimes you want to when somebody says something really stupid.
2: Do the tried and true <laughs> opera technique and just talk about them behind their back.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> one, one more question about, on this topic because we have a couple other things we really want to get yep. to I know that you're super busy. Yeah. Um, are websites obsolete? Do singers need websites?
2: Websites are so important. You need to have a good website. You must, it is the only place where you completely control your digital presence. From the images, the press quotes, the, the, the written assets, the videos that are present, all of that is controlled
1: okay. completely
2: by you. And it, it is the only place where you can tell the best story about yourself mm-hmm. with no feedback and no, nobody else sort of editorializing for you. That's okay. number one. Number two, it is a place where a lot of different people go to get shit from you whether it be high res photos for, you know, or a bio word doc for a program or for a website where you're performing, okay. whether it be links to your socials contact, whether it be like press quotes, whether it be videos that they can share, you know, on their socials for a mm-hmm. presenter, mm-hmm. Um, whether it be like, you know, media who wanna get all of your press packet. So mm-hmm. you need to have a site that serves all of those different people's needs as quickly and efficiently as possible. So if they come and they can't find something, or they have to click navigate five exciting little flash pages to get through, fuck it, they're done. They're just gonna post whatever they can find on Google and it's usually gonna be outdated. So for those two reasons alone, absolutely you must have a website. On the other side of it, you do not, in 2021, whatever the hell year we're in, you do not need to pay a huge amount of money For websites. Thank you. And like people who are paying $5,000, $10,000 for websites, you don't need it. You can build them on Squarespace. You can build them. (laughs) Don't. All right. But also, I told her. Don't use use Wix. Don't use Weebly. They are hot shit. Yeah. (laughs) Use use Squares. Don't use WordPress either. Don't try to learn how to be a WordPress developer. Your site will be overridden with bugs and hackers in a year. Build on Squarespace if you're going to build yourself. It is hugely limiting in terms of the the what you can design and how mm-hmm. you can affect it, and the kind of how you shoehorn you know a schedule item and a news item into their blog post infrastructure. Right. But it's also the easiest to design with and the hardest to break and the most future proofed. Uh, you just won't have a distinctive site.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but you also just. Plus, shameless plug, I've also been over the pandemic building this this platform that will allow yeah. us to build sites really beautifully and cheaply and, and good. So that's another thing. And updating develop. it. That's so important. By you in like the easiest form possible. It's, it's like a pretty amazing platform we've built. So awesome. that's what we're going to be basically offering everybody. But like I built it again for young artists because they would share with me their just god awful wick sites and it would just break my heart. <laughs> so,
1: okay, when are when is that gonna happen?
2: Yeah. Soon, soon, probably in the next month or two. And Maybe.
1: what about the one minute videos?
2: Also in the next month.
0: Okay. Okay, can yeah, we share that on social media? media?
2: Yeah, it'll be on it'll be on all the Unison channels. Uh,
0: okay, cool. So, uh, You're amazing. You, can I just say that? You oh. really are amazing. You oh, have fixed, revolutionized.
2: Fixed one to no one or two to no one. It's uh same yeah. right back to you guys.
1: No, okay. Because when I was actually researching everything about you, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, A, when do you have time to sleep? And um, I mean, you do everything. First, I want to go back to your nonprofit company questions for Death of Classical. Is that, did I say that correctly? Nailed it. <laughs> um, and the two productions, I think people need to go to this website and check it out. Do you have? Can you give us a like a heads up, or if there's anything coming sooner? Y'all is everything? To show oh
2: you? yes, there <laughs> are. So we did the only we did the only large scale production in the fall, uh, even with all the major major institutions out there. Uh, we did a live, distanced sort of in the cemetery where groups of 25 distanced walked through this amazing cemetery, Greenwood in Brooklyn. Hearing performances, dance, chamber music, vocal, uh, and ending in the catacombs with this very distanced uh, seating in the catacombs, which are ventilated. Um, yeah. And it was all about race in America and uh, and just the history of America and the present of America at that moment in October, wow. late October, a week before the election. Um, and it was amazing. And wow. uh, we partnered, partnered with the Harlem Chamber Players, who are incredible. And so, so, we've, we've figured out how to navigate the hair pulling agony of producing during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and so, we have a lot of stuff coming this spring, summer, and fall. Oh, and it's going to be. Awesome. We, Can we share not,
0: all that when, when uh, it's available?
2: Soon. I, I can't announce it because we have some. Yeah, huge, well, when it's available. huge partners <laughs> this time oh. around. Disciplined, uh, because it's huge institutions that are partnering with us. Uh, cool. That All of that will be shared probably in the next two months, March or April. Okay. And all you do, the only way to get tickets to anything we do is to sign up for our email list on deathclassical.com. Cause like we sell out, I mean, especially the crypt but the catacombs too, we sell out in like literally five seconds when we, okay. so that, that whole, we had maybe we did six tours a night. So there was probably like 400 tickets for wow. the entire show. Okay. it's pulled out in a day I think like not even a day amazing. so of announcing so wow. it just goes and then we have thousands of people on the waiting
0: list and and the burger club oh. now I'm here in Paris and Rosa Parks burgers are my absolute favorite have I've you ever heard,
2: tried? you're the third person to tell me about this so uh,
0: amazing they're my favorite burgers in the whole world now
2: we you did a burger about- club in Paris and it was it was unimpressive I'll be honest I've been underwhelmed by the burgers, uh, there because but but people, a lot of people have been uh, flinging this one my way, so I'm interested. Well, the um, meat tastes different, the meat yeah, tastes well, different. Obviously, tartare nobody does it like the French, so Thank uh, you. and I like my yes, burgers, but
0: so. cooked meat,
2: mm. yeah. Well, a lot of times it's too cooked,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, way overdone. Okay, um, I just don't understand this. You need to explain this immediately. How have you not had the Daniel beludes DB original burger?
2: Have we had know. the we had the the DB the Bistro Moderne the one with the foie gras in the middle.
1: Yeah, but it not the original. It was not well
2: rated. It was oh, it was not it was it was a mess. It was a yeah hot too mess. much. Was no, no, but
1: but the original the DB original you haven't had have that yet. You no, we haven't. Have okay, I'll okay, I'll
2: put that on the list. Okay. So, foie so, gras. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. It's it's like it's like yeah. My old voice teacher used to say to me, filet mignon is great for like dinner, but if you have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, yeah. It's too much. Like fuck, wrong yeah. burger.
2: Yeah, it's 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 over the over the top. Although I will say we've had some pretty like the Minetta Tavern burger is over the top too. but okay. it is, That is an artistic statement in a burger. Uh, and so and then I will say Suprema Burger in the West Village. Yeah. Ho ho ho. Yeah. Stuff, man. but we did we did we're gonna do another virtual we did we did a virtual burger session with where everybody just cooked us the same recipe at home which was the cool. butter burger oh. Ooh, <laughs> my 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 arteries are still recovering many months on um it's
0: on the keto diet come on <laughs> my uh
2: it is yeah you like cook a bunch of onions in butter you uh create a patty and you put a pat of butter inside of it you then cook the patty in butter. You slather butter on both sides of the bun. You then put the onions on top with another pat of butter with a cheese that's melted over top of the butter. It is amazing. And okay. some tongues on the side. Does it come with
0: paddles? Does it come with like. Yeah, my
2: heart, I was eating it and I'm like, oh, 10, 10, 10. I'm rating it all. My heart's just like,
0: no, no, oh, damn it. Don't
2: do it, don't have another bite. Oh, but it's amazing, Burger Club's incredible. It's an app, a friend of mine who is an amazing high-level web developer who okay. also loves burgers, built with me overnight over with like a six pack of beers. And uh, everybody rates and puts their little philosophical musing, it aggregates through. So we have like a real-time view of the best burger. It'll uh-huh. supersede everything I do in classical music, unquestionably. <laughs>
1: It's hysterical. I really, I love that. I
2: okay. did combine it with burgers, bourbon, and Beethoven, where we had 600 people in the cemetery tasting two different burgers, competing for the Golden Spatula, eight yeah. distilleries, and Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Okay, I need to move back that to New York. would be the of my life, basically. You're killing
0: me. I have to move back to New York. You're killing You're just, me. That's so it. We're going. We're going. We're going. Um, when I'm there in September, Andrew?
2: Burger Club, it's happening. Barry's going
0: to come. We're going to do Burger Club. Done and yep. done. Okay. Yeah, the there's like five other things I need to talk to you about. Yeah, poor man's yeah,
1: orchestra. Sorry, what? poor man's orchestra, your photography, your mom,
0: that you you're bike, a bike, your MS, yeah. Ride.
2: All right, we'll do poor man's orchestra. That was uh, my my musical performance, which peaked uh, when I was the ship's musician on a cruise to Antarctica for six weeks. And uh, that was amazing, uh, although okay. I did then got too busy with Unison and Death Classical and, and Burger Club. Okay. So that's uh, the and then. Photography, I do a lot of photography. Um, I've been published a lot, uh, although I also did all of the photo and video in the crypt early, which got a a ton of reach too. So, um, but I love photography. Um, Bike MS, so my mother, who the reason I am in in classical music in any capacity, she had multiple sclerosis, which is one of the truly god awful worst diseases uh, known to man. Yeah. uh so she passed away 13 years ago uh i do bike ms to raise money for multiple sclerosis research awesome. i want to i'm working on commissioning a song cycle on jacqueline dupre uh the great cellist yes um, yes yes MS. i want to partner with multiple sclerosis society and do in an the crypt or the catacombs um mm-hmm. but that is a cause that is incredibly important to me uh, and just you know do just, you sleep i don't i i don't sleep that much but um i don't think you do but do you I even do you watch I do. television? I don't think so. Oh, I, I watch a little bit of television. I'm currently watching Twin Peaks, which is just a colossal mindfuck. old
0: school. Uh, I
2: mean, that's old we're school. on the now. We've gotten through the old school. Now oh. we're onto the new one, which is just oh. a total mind fuck. Oh. Um, but yeah, I do. I we we watch we watch some good TV and, and we we binge along with the best of them. Breaking Bad being my my by far my favorite show. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Anything
1: funny we'll like Ted Lasso? Leftovers.
2: The leftovers. Oh, leftovers! The leftovers. Uh, the the show itself is is crazy and kind of up up and down, but the finale, the series finale, is probably the most beautiful hour of television I've ever experienced in my life. The really? leftovers? Where the where leftovers. where can we find it? HBO. Um, and it is it is it is one of the most perfect endings to a story that I have ever heard. It is heartbreakingly, astonishingly beautiful and like hope, hope inducing. It is. I cannot say enough about how beautiful. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, coming from you, that means a lot. Yeah. Right. So should we do rapid fire? Do you have enough? Do you have a few minutes? Rapid fire. All
1: right. We're going to old school this man. And we're going to go back to James Lipton. Yep. My, my favorite questions. Yes. That was my watch. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. James Lipton. What is your favorite word?
2: Love. Oh, Least
0: favorite word?
2: Spoon. <laughs> it's a weird word. Spoon. What turns you spoon. on? Say it enough times, it's weird.
1: Spoon, 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 spoon. 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 Okay. I don't know. <laughs> there, there are other words that are really strange, too. Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah. Okay. Anti disestablishmentarianism. It's, <laughs> it's obnoxious. I love that.
0: All right, what does yeah, you, you can't eat a burger with a spoon?
2: Exactly. <laughs> also. <laughs>
0: I guess Carrie. if you're desperate, you
1: could, like maybe with a spork. Sorry. Okay, I digress.
2: You're in right. there. Yeah. Okay, sorry.
1: Uh, what turns you on?
2: Uh, beauty. Uh, beauty that goes across mind and body and soul.
0: Yay. Oh, that's beautiful. And what turns you off?
2: Uh, being someone you're not. Mm,
1: true, right? Uh, What sound or noise do
0: you love?
2: Um, Sound of a cello.
0: Mm. And the sound you hate?
2: Nails on a chalkboard. I mean, come on, it's just awful. Or um, there was I had I had a good one, and it'll come back to me in a later round. Keep going. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, Of course, I have to ask this. What is your favorite cuss
0: word?
2: Um. I mean, fuck is great. Fuck is a great one. It's, it's yeah. another, another turn off is people who can't say fuck where they're like, fuck, or like they misuse it. Like yeah. that's just, also fuck as a noun, like this guy is a fuck. Like that is a great, like this curly headed fuck over here. Great usage. <laughs> under, it's under.
0: under every usage. which way, you know, it's that. a noun, it's a verb, it's an uh, adjective, it's, it's everything. So it's, it's the,
2: yeah. It's gotta do
0: it. um, What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
2: Um, I would have loved to have been a coder. Like, to me is the most powerful creative force nowadays that has the, you think of back in the day when you would make music and it would literally shape culture. Like in the 60s, it would change the fabric of how society interacted. now it's not the case anymore in the same way, just the nature of it. TV sort of has that as well. But coding, you create something from nothing. And it is something that, that brings, can bring people together on a scale that is, has never been achievable in the history of humanity. And the, lo- the, the combination of logic and like technical and creative aspects of coding, out, figuring out ways to connect and to, 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 to build uh, that, that have a logical structure, but also have a creative element and that engage with people is extraordinary to me, but man, it's fucking complicated.
1: complicated. <laughs> Next life. Um, okay, uh, what profession would you not like to do?
2: i probably never wanna be a, uh, oh no, the worst profession ever, which is, I can't remember who told me this, but there's a guy who has to, or a, a girl who has to collect semen samples at the zoo. That's the worst job. <laughs> How was your day, honey?
0: Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose <laughs> That is the best response we've ever had, Andrew.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I've been storing that one in the back of my mind, my tortured mind. I
0: just can't. I like... <laughs> How can I ask the last question? OK. OK, ready? hmm Sorry. Wait. Ready. If heaven exists... <laughs> Oh, sorry. (laughs) What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
2: Lived well. Good. Left you lived beautifully, and you left the world a better place. That's what I would like to hear.
0: We love that. Love that. Thank you for joining us today. Really, that was so insightful.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, A pleasure and an honor and a privilege.
0: Thank you,
1: and thanks for what you're doing, especially for the young artists. That's I mean, that's amazing. I wish I right. had well, had that. For. The future, yeah.
0: so. Both of us. Yeah. It's it, you know you are the future of this business, and we thank you. Yeah. So, thank you.
2: Something that takes it. Thank you, guys. Thank
0: you. Huge hearts. Bye. Talk to you soon.
2: Talk soon. Bye, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.